Archimax login confirmed. Welcome to the Lodge. You've accessed the LodgeCast experience. Warning, warning. Dangerous spoilers ahead. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the LodgeCast Hotline. Brother Bishki here to tell you some of the hot upcoming movies we're going to be reviewing. If you see any of these movies and you have opinions about them, then please leave a voicemail at the phone number 1-877-565-1466, where you can call in your brief movie review and possibly be included in an episode. And don't forget to give us your bone count. Here are some of the hottest upcoming movies the LodgeCast will be reviewing. The Woman in the Window, rated R. Nobody, starring Bob Odenkirk, rated R. Mortal Kombat, rated R. Once again, that LodgeCast hotline number is 1-877-565-1466. Call toll-free today. Love and light. Yo, Eddie Furlong here from... Terminator 2 and Brain Scan. I want to say congratulations to Matt's movie Lodgecast for over a hundred dazzling podcast episodes. You are AMC amazing! Keep chasing those salad dragons and stay awake, Lucas. Stay awake. Love, light, and lodgers. Peace, bitch. The Lodge Cast is a little podcast where we watch weird movies so you don't have to. The Lodge Cast, baby. Lodge Cast, gonna smoke this. Lodge Cast, listen, movie pass. Lodge Cast. We're gonna watch some crap. Lodge Cast. And then the Lodge Master Chat. With Lucas and Bishki. Episode 100, coming to America. Hello and welcome to an extra special, momentous episode of the Lodgecast. I'm your Lodgemaster with me as always is Brother Bishki. Episode 100. Brother Lucas. Good evening, Lodgecasters! And for the first time ever, a man who is the embodiment of the very fabric that holds this sweet movie Lodge and Lodgecast together, it's his first time on the show. All hail, Brother Eric. Hey, the noob's here. What's up, noob? Welcome to episode 100. Is this really your first episode, Eric? Yeah, this is I've it. listened to some. I could have sworn we had you on one, no? <laughs> no. This no? is it. Damn. Number one stunner. We Number waited. one stunner. We waited. We are scattering out the rose petals for you to walk upon as we cover this crazy film coming to America, a super late sequel. Mm-hmm. I mean, how often do sequels go this late after the original? Like, they're not supposed to do this, but it they seems did like it. something they would do during the pandemic, but like they did it right before the pandemic. 
Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so before we jump into whatever the hell coming to America is, I think we got to talk a little bit about coming to America 1988, as well as Mr. Eddie motherfucking Murphy and yeah. where we all stand with him and what our history is. So... Brother Eric, what what is your recollection of the original? Like, did you grow up on this? Was this your jam? Or I think what, I saw. What do you remember? I think I only saw edited versions on TBS or like USA or something. <laughs> and, oh, that's terrible. And I remember I liked Louis Anderson at the time, still do, and I liked Eddie Murphy at that time. And that's about yeah. all I remembered. And I remember the McDonald's, the McDowell scenes. Yes, of course. Yeah, those are magic for a young young kid. I have very vivid memories as a small child, being seven or eight years old, up in uh, Santa Cruz, California, watching my next door neighbor's uh, pirated bootleg copy. They had an uncle, Uncle Sid, who ironically was from oh. LA, and Sid bless would, you, Uncle Sid. Sid would take new releases and uh, rent them like at the video store and then to dupe them essentially and put like three movies on like one tape so you'd get like a tape yeah. with like 48 hours Beverly Hills Cop coming to America and that oh, was yeah. like your Eddie Murphy tape and unedited the, the tape was so worn out from from pausing the royal penis is clean your highness scene <laughs> because as kids we were like wow like it just would blow that your was a mind, mind. Blower. Yeah. it would blow your mind like you couldn't even fathom that and and to me the funniest joke in the original is when he's like good morning neighbors and the man's like hey man fuck you and he's like yes Yes, fuck <laughs> you too. I mean, Eddie was at the height of his powers. Like, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think you could get bigger than he was at that point. And I feel like, I mean, what, what a perfect marriage of material and stardom, like just colliding, you know. And the fact that he got to be like the humble guy in it to Arsenio's like, you know, wealth lust was just a masterstroke, I think. Like it it's it's an amazing movie. I I've saw it recently again, knowing this movie was coming up, and it still holds up. I still think it's great. Bishki, what what do you remember about coming to America? Well I just saw it a few days ago. I mean I kind of grew up on it. I kind of think it's one of the first R rated movies I ever saw. Even though it's kind of a family movie outside of you know, the bathing sequence and a few F words, but Eddie love him, loved him and still love him. Um, Arsenio comes off really good in it. Like hilarious. Everything's firing. I'm a little lukewarm on Landis, John Landis. Could we watched? Um, well, of course, but, but um, <laughs> Landis is problematic. But other than that, the music, I mean, he's a murderer and whatever, but the music is great. <laughs> and, um, so I was very excited for the sequel to see everyone come back, and uh, most everyone did. But let it be known, it's not just that Landis is a uh, murderer, it's that he's an asshole. It's he like you can be a murderer. People, right? Like, yeah, you could accidentally kill a bunch of actors and be apologetic about it and apologize and have remorse and guilt. Or you can be John Landis and be a fucking asshole and act like you didn't do anything wrong and that it's not your problem or whatever. And that's why he's a scumbag. Not, not because – I mean, yeah, because he's a murderer, but because he's just a fucking – Unforgiving scumbag. Well, the only thing worse than him is his son, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's, yeah. If if you don't know what we may be discussing here, just Google 
John Landis murderer and Max Landis rapist and see what comes up. And yeah. you'll you'll have a, a solid night of of reading ahead of you. But Eddie Murphy, he had the fire in his eyes back in 88. Like there's a light behind his eyes that was still there. And I feel like with few exceptions, that light has begun to drain and he just goes through the motions. You look at Beverly Hills Cop 3 and like some of his other 90s stuff and something happened. He got too big and he got paranoid or something. He stopped trusting people. I don't know what causes you to lose that trillion watt sparkle. It's it's just millions of dollars. It's it's just enormous financial wealth. I mean, when when you be, become so rich, be. when you become that rich and you're that like surrounded by, you know, an entourage and yes men and, and people, you're just like in this echo chamber, this vacuum, right? Where you are like Prince Akeem. Um, you lose touch with reality. I mean, you just yeah. totally, totally, you lose that uh, eye of the tiger, so to speak, the, the joie de vivre. Once, once you, that hunger in your belly metaphorically is fulfilled with anything yeah. and everything you could possibly imagine, there's no more yearning. There's no more burning. There's no more toiling <laughs> away. There's no more wants or needs or ambitions. It's all been satiated. Right, like it's so, all been so, done. So, so why care about anything after that? Like, like the Stones, right? Yeah, like yeah. so much, like so many people and so many bands. But with Eddie, it's especially heartbreaking because he was so just electric. Yeah, I mean, Delirious and Raw are two of my favorite stand-up specials of all time. Beverly Hills Cop is like four bones for me. Like, he was the greatest in the world. Like, Raw was. Do you think there's this? Wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Right before uh, yes. the first one? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And do you think he's been flirting with and teasing us with coming back to stand-up? Do you think there's any way that that can successfully happen? No, I don't think he should. I don't think he should. In 2021, 2022? Yeah. I mean, Dolomite is my name. Lodgemaster just mentioned um, before the cast that he didn't see Dolomite as my name. That's actually, it's about as good as Eddie could get nowadays. Like, he's swearing again. Um, and <laughs> gotta get him swearing again. You gotta get him swearing yeah. again. Like if he's doing kids but movies, I think stand up is a trap. He should just do raw too. I mean, <laughs> I'd watch it. I'd definitely watch. Somehow it. make the A and raw into a two. Just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just make it like a Spalding Gray like storytelling hour. Like yeah, I don't know. Just do monologues or do, do no, be a raconteur. Th this yeah, yeah, this is yeah. I was gonna say this is what Eddie Murphy should do. He should revive his late brother Charlie Murphy's True Hollywood Stories from Chappelle Show. Yes, and yeah. like finish and finish all the ones that like Charlie you know regrettably never yeah. got to tell us because those print that print story. And and the, Rick James. The, the, the couch story, like, oh, my God. He's got stories. He's got stories. That's like a live career rewrite, Lucas, <laughs> and I am on board for it. That's great. I was just looking at his movies, and I forgot he did so many of those, like, fat suit, just, like, Norbit. 17 characters. Yeah. Fat suit fart comedies, which yeah. which all can be traced back to coming to America, the '88 version. Yeah, because I agree, it's it's Eddie Murphy's Apex Mountain, and it's like the last Eddie Murphy movie that I own in my like my own collection. You know, because wow. everything after that, like he's just checked out. He's out to lunch, and it's just not worth it. If he's not invested, I'm not invested. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, let's see if he was invested in coming to. America, and before we dive in, Bishy, what's 
from Rotten Tomatoes, set in the lush and royal country of Zamunda, newly crowned King Akeem, Eddie Murphy, and his trusted confidant, Semi Arsenio Hall, embark on an all-new hilarious adventure that has them traversing the globe from their great African nation to the borough of Queens, New York, where it all began, period. That's it. That's okay. it. Okay. So... Much to my surprise, Louis Anderson's back, John Amos is back, Sherry Headley, who plays Lisa, now Queen Lisa, is back. Like, they got everybody back. Like, the first minute is like a Super Bowl commercial. It's just like, <laughs> everyone's there, we're back at McDowell's, like, Pepsi Pepsi shows up. McDowell's has been moved to Zamunda, so that was, that was a good move to get everybody there, like, <laughs> working on staff at the Zamunda McDowell's. And Wesley Snipes is here as the king of... <clears throat> Next Doria. <laughs> but he looks amazing and he's got light behind his eyes. Like yeah. plenty of light. Plenty <laughs> of light. Because he's a free man. He's not in prison anymore. Do people know that he was locked up like longer than any other politician? That was some bullshit. A real, a real fucking criminal that is like you know, killed like half the state of Texas with their power outages. Yeah. Landis should have been serving his term. Right? No. Right? Uh, Both Landis's. Yeah. This movie is complete and utter coming to America 88 fan service. Like, if you love that movie, it's going to try to give you exactly what you loved about it again. And I don't know if any of us were expecting anything else, but holy shit. I can't remember a sequel that has gone to the links that this one goes to to remind you of all the funny shit from the previous movie. Lots of riffs. Yeah. (laughs) Like to the point where they are cutting to full on clips from the original movie. Like, are you allowed to do that? I couldn't even tell. I, for a second, I'm like, did they just CG their faces and like redo these scenes? I I mean, I think, I don't know what y'all think, but I think that, we go we go into the flashback of them in their dating and i think that's a salad dragon as soon as we get into the um morphed faces right 100% the salad dragon a scene in a movie that is so bizarre baffling or transcendent that it instantly justifies the price of admission or reese witherspoon's leafy transformation in a wrinkle in time <laughs> So, okay, so everybody who's seen Coming to America remembers the famous, you know, speed dating montage in the club. Yeah. Where they're, you know, testing out all different walks of American female life, you know, including Arsenio Hall and drag and all sorts of (laughs) all sorts of stuff going on. And they know everybody loves that scene. So they replay it. But then. They de-age Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall and insert them back into the original scene and (laughs) expand upon it. It has to be seen. It has to be seen. I was really faded at that part. It would help to be really faded at that part Mm -hmm. because if you're faded, you might just kind of go with it. 
But if you're like leaning forward, looking at the de-aging and realizing like <laughs> the many sins that this movie is is committing all at once. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know what to think. I I, I was truly baffled by that i was lol but maybe that's normal for like a regular viewer like maybe people will just accept this i don't know i i i I guess like if you're watching it on your cell phone it's not as bad but (laughs) when you're projecting 1080p at over 100 inches like i am on a big bare white wall it looks like shit he's always whipping out his 100 inch bona fide it's changed my life i mean you should too you should all get projectors and it'll change your life you'll never go back it's like bathing in a cold river every morning instead of a shower um but no bishki hit the nail on the head it's it's a super bowl commercial and like like things are moving at such a steady clip in those first (laughs) five ten fifteen minutes they're moving so fast and 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 before you can even get reacquainted or or familiarize yourself again with our two leads and zamunda and all that yeah you're right back into this flashback and you're like oh no it's it's a clip show like they're really gonna show us it's a clip show clips like no and then that to me instantly made everything the whole thing feel like i was watching a pilot like an amazon prime pilot tv show that would be like on like in in the real world like on terrestrial tv like abc or cbs or one of those stations because i'm like this is not a movie like this does not feel rhythmically tonally aesthetically like a movie it really doesn't especially in that early going and they shove Arsenio's witch doctor persona at you, which really disoriented me. I mean, I, I loved the makeup, but I'm like, what? What? Wait, what is going on? The barking woman is back that would do anything for Prince Akeem in the first and one. she's still she hopping on like one leg and barking she's still, 30 years later. <laughs> she's still doing it. But that when I saw her barking, I was like, oh, shit, we are really fucked here. Because you don't, you can't, uh, you can't do that, but they did that. (laughs) (laughs) And then we get 90-year-old, 90-year-old James Earl Jones. He was looking good. Yeah, dude. He's looking good, but this might be it for James Earl. I liked when he announced his death, too. That was pretty good. Dude, his funeral. That's Salad Dragon number two. It is. Double Dragon. The living funeral for the king, James Earl Jones. I mean, wow. It's Morgan Freeman again. We just saw him as a crab in Barb and Star. He pops up. More like morbid Freeman. <laughs> and Vogue shows up to sing What a King, What a King, What a King. That was good. What a mighty good king. And Salt and Pepper joins them. You put Salt and Pepper on the end, Vogue. <laughs> You're stacking them. And then... Gladys Knight shows up to sing Midnight Train to Zamunda. Telling you, she was looking what? hot. Yeah, dude. What? <laughs> what is going on? My bones were so high at this point. Oh, my God. Oh, I mean, my God. I was really high the first 40 minutes. And yeah. I'm going to admit that I was laughing through all of it, like, out loud. Sure. By myself. Yeah. Sure. Then once my high wore off, like that was yeah. exactly when the movie was like wearing off. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. I was like, let me just bring back the good times again and try to smoke up a little more. And then <laughs> it was that part where they started their faces were going back to the 
CG, the the original movie, and I'm like, yeah, I could not figure out what was going on, and really, yeah, just, just kind of went with it and like tried to pretend to enjoy it. No, it's front loaded for sure. Sometimes you got to do that. You just got to try to survive. It was like my first movie in a long time, so it's like that's true. Oh, that's true. You're a family man. You're raising a young king yourself, and you have not seen a movie in years almost like a full movie more than two maybe maybe three maybe about three <laughs> yikes <laughs> yikes so i missed yeah 20 2019 no 20. wonder no wonder i'm childless and i'll probably now never have a child um, well, no, it's like I, i've started movies and then i just i'll just like either pass out or walk away or something yeah, like YouTube, <laughs> which we should be doing. Span. We should be doing that more often. Well, that's what Paramount kind of did with this movie, actually, because this was supposed to be a theatrical release, yeah. and they crunched some numbers, or whoever took over the studio, Jim Genopolis, looked at the dailies and was like, "Fuck this! This is a TV show. Let's just dump it on Amazon Prime, <laughs> and we'll keep Top Gun Maverick and whatever other you know films we have on the schedule for theatrical because yeah. we, we believe in those as like films." Because I'm looking at this, going, "This is imagine watching this in the AMC Prime or Dolby Atmos or IMAX. Like no. I can't even fathom how." It would look or, or feel and play at that level. It'd feel very odd. But <laughs> I love that your grand return to the cinema is coming to America. <laughs> like that's From so, home. Yeah. From home. Yes. Right. Oh, my God. Well, welcome back. I wish it could have been a little more nutritious, but th I mean, at least there's a lot to look at. I had fun with it. I'll, I'll be honest. There's a salad crouton. Salad crouton. With an unexpected cover of Prince's Get Off that, uh, <laughs> that is involved with uh, Wesley Snipes' daughter who's trying to woo Eddie Murphy's son. Forgot about that. And any movie that features any Prince song, I'm at least going to take notice of. And this one paid proper homage to it. But the plot as a whole, like, it, it relegates... Eddie Murphy to like fourth tier. Like he is nowhere near the star of this movie. The guy who plays his son is the star. Yeah, Jermaine Fowler. Anybody in this movie, pretty much, even the supporting characters, shine brighter than Eddie Murphy in this. He is literally just standing there for most of this movie. Yeah. And I just wish, huh, I wish they could have tailor made it to him a little more or had done something to get him excited about it, but he's just he's just going through the paces. I think that has a lot to do with the story and script that Craig Brewer, the director, and Kenya Barris, one of the producer and writers, kind of concocted, you know, about his son and that he's a long lost son and he's got to go find him and meet him. And, and yeah, that completely, I feel like, it's not like so much in service of Prince Akeem or Eddie's story as much as it is his son just making this discovery that he's like King Ralph, you know, the John Goodman movie. <laughs> right. We got uh, Trevor Noah having a cameo as a Zamundan newscaster. ZNN. ZNN. King Akeem's son in it making a joke about Rotten Tomatoes, calling it Rotten Papayas. Bishki, did you like that joke? She says, Zamunda Cinema is total baboon dung. He says, nothing over 30% on rotten papayas. That's funny, right? Mm -hmm. That's pretty funny. 
they tread really dangerous ground right after that. They said sequels to old movies nobody asked for is Oof. is what American yeah. cinema is. And that's very dangerous ground to to bring up in this movie. Well, they're doing that stupid thing where if they call out exactly what they're doing, they think that they have free reign to do it. Yeah. Which they don't. But hell, you know, this this whole thing feels like it was maybe twenty years too late if it even needed to 30, happen. Yeah. So all it is, like, all these movies are that when this happens with sequels, they're just reunions for everybody to, like, chum it up on camera together, like Ocean's 12 or Ocean's 19 or whatever. And all yeah. those movies where they're just, like, chumming it up, like, joking around and leaving some of the ad libs in the movie and stuff. It's just, like, it's just kind of a big yeah. whack off for everyone. Bill and Ted face the music. <laughs> It's definitely a big old whack-off where everybody gets paid a little bit or a lot of bit. Mm -hmm. The problem, too, is that there's not much conflict in this movie. There's nothing at stake. There's nothing at stake. <laughs> you know, it's like he's a king. His son's a, his son's a prince. Uh, his son's got a loving mother played by Leslie Jones. So when they find him, it's all good and nothing's at stake. Like nothing. There's nothing to lose. Nothing. Not even not even Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes is like a, a lighthearted, silly, you know, uh, warlord. Yeah, whatever. Like it's no big deal. <laughs> like it's all good. It's all good. Wasn't the son trying to become in the hair, hair, hair to uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. To what's but his that's face? Not like. And it was like, between him and the daughter or something. I can't, dude. This movie is foggy in my head already. Keep it foggy, dude, because it doesn't matter. It doesn't <laughs> fucking matter. I'm gonna get to the bottom of it. You should watch it again when you, yeah, <laughs> when, when the mood strikes you. <laughs> but that's literally the only conflict is who who will succeed King Akeem on the throne, and you know it from the beginning that the daughter is gonna be the one. Yeah, because she's the one that wants it. Very predictable. The, the prince doesn't want it at all. He just wants to marry his like official groomer. You know, mm -hmm. like it's so fucking clear. So you get that wrapped up in your mind in the first you know half of the movie, and then there's just nothing. I mean, there's a bunch of pomp and circumstance. It it ends in a big twenty minute ceremony featuring, <laughs> of course, sexual chocolate. Because sexual chocolate hasn't shown up. You know they're going to wheel him out. <laughs> and it's all just greatest hits. It's worth a few smiles. Like, I was smiling, but... Did you have any LOLs? I had two LOLs, and I think they were both Leslie Jones related. Yeah, like, one of them was like, yeah, why, was why, it. why are the mashed potatoes black? And they're like, well, that's <laughs> caviar. <laughs> That was I was good. like, oh man, um, she's amazing. But yeah, I was like more just smirking at like the oddity that it was. Or if, if I did laugh, it was more in the like inappropriate way where I was like, I can't believe that this is <laughs> this was going to be in the theaters. Like, like imagine a, a paying, laugh. imagine paying like a twenty dollar IMAX ticket, like uh, for a clip show. Like you pay that money, right? You pay that twenty dollars. And it's like clips from movies you have at home. And you're like, fuck, I could be there right now watching For a this. clip show within a Super Bowl commercial. That's the level of <laughs> derelict comedic inception that we're doing here. Bisky, did you LOL? I LOL'd a lot in the beginning. I mean, when yeah. Arsenio's de-aged face came on the screen, I LOL. <laughs> <laughs> what about Lou? What about Louie's first line? That, that got me LOLing. Yeah. What did he say? 
that's a great question. We are also celebrating the arrival of our new Beyond Big Mick Burger. I laughed more at you forgetting his first line than I did in the entirety of the movie. I, I laughed more on this LodgeCast listening to you guys describe some of the scenes because they're that just absurd. Yeah. But I, yeah, I forgot everything. And what's funny is we were supposed to record this on Wednesday, but we pushed it. And I said, I might have to rewatch this because <laughs> I, I couldn't have. really <laughs> remember anything ex no. except uh, they got everyone back. And and I thought that, 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 that the original actress who played uh, Lisa, who he married, was great. I was yeah. like, oh, well, where's she been? Does she still act? Like, I haven't seen her since the original <laughs> Coming to America. There is there <laughs> is a really solid scene, like dramatic scene in the middle of this, where it's between her and King Akeem, and they're arguing about why the daughter can't be the heir. Like, I thought mm. that was a solid scene. Not funny, wasn't no. supposed to be funny, but solid acting, I felt a little conflict, a little twinge of conflict. And I was like, oh, I'm I feel like I'm watching a movie that I'm actually invested in. But it's like a drama. It's like a drama. It's a drama. At yeah. a certain point, so, it becomes a drama because the main guy is not funny. Jermaine Fowler is just yeah. not funny. And there's a there's a lot of hullabaloo about him stealing a whisker from a sleeping lion that's CG. Uh, and, oh, oh I man, forgot I remember about that. that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hesitated to bring oh, it up. The CG man. line farts for at him. God about that. Yeah, that's right. That is that's totally like the right. The middle of the oh. movie is this CG lion. Oh. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tracy Morgan was in it. I forgot about that. Tracy thing. Morgan was there. Yep. He was having a good time. Good to see little, him. No LOLs from him, but a little chuckle. Well, before we forget any more of this film, <laughs> let's go to them. Zamunda Bones. What are we going to do here? I mean, it feels like we're all sort of on the same stinky page, but Lucas, what do you got going on? You seem happier than usual about <laughs> about this train wreck, so maybe you'll throw in a little bit more love and light than usual, but we'll see. I like oh, to predict. Oh, man. Yeah, I... Golly, I... Like, I don't even know where to begin. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, I'm just so... Begin at the end. Yeah, I'm just so um, glad to see Eddie Murphy working, I guess. Sure. Uh, let me start with the love and light, because I do love yep. him, and he's a national treasure, and his early period career, like SNL and 48 Hours and Beverly Hills Cop, like, just absolutely amazing delirious raw even the golden child for what it is like it's just sure. like awesome awesome stuff yeah. and i just wish that he wasn't his own producer like eddie murphy productions like produced a lot of stuff in the middle and, and back half period because like he just was never disciplined and like never reined in and never challenged right. and and you kind of get these Norbit Meet Dave kind of Pluto Nash movies, none of which I've seen by the way. I've never seen any of those, but but you will. Uh, I'll make sure I mean, you see every I, frame I, of I, all of those. Yeah, I don't know how this sequel came up, but like if I was Eddie and I'm looking at my filmography. And I'm thinking like, man, what would be really cool for 2020 or, or, you know, this new world to do like a sequel to? I would do 
another another 48 hours and it'd be like him and nick nolte <laughs> were like you know Yet nick nolte's like 48 hours is like in some old folks home and eddie murphy's got to like break them out so they can solve a case and it's like rated r yeah. and it's like super you know controversial and like you know get yeah. walter hill out of retirement and he can even direct sure. it uh, 96 or give, hours or, or, or no 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 don't give it to Walter Hill give it to like a young black <laughs> filmmaker or a young female filmmaker get someone diverse in there because that was the other thing like I, as much as I find Craig Brewer like interesting as a filmmaker like I, like he's not a person of color and I think if I'm Eddie Murphy and I'm making a sequel to this like why not pass yeah, the torch right? on to someone you know and 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 help you know uh like more diverse filmmakers have their voices be heard because maybe, maybe they could have brought something funny and fresh to it because Kenya Barris, I think had a pretty big creative hand and in, in co-writing and producing this. And he's from TV. He's a TV writer, you know? So it all just felt like that TV edit, like that pacing, yeah. it just, it just felt yeah. like a Super Bowl commercial. And like, I just wasn't laughing enough. And I just kept thinking like, if I wanted to do a sequel to coming to America, you guys, you guys hit the nail on the head. You mentioned it should have been 20, 25, 30 years ago. And instead of it being like them back in New York, it should have them like back in like the West coast or Los Angeles, like after the 92 riots or something, you shoot it in 93 <laughs> yeah, and like, LA, really, LA, yeah. and like, yeah, like Some really Reggie Danny it, jokes. Yeah. Like make it really like in living color esque <laughs> funny, you know, go toe to toe with that kind of humor and satire but no man like don't like do it this way because don't do us like this yeah not like this so i i gotta give it one bone like i i just feel one like bone. like uh All right. if maybe they they flipped it like a little bit where like let's say instead of him discovering he has a long lost son it's which a live rewrite i don't know do it live. I'll write it and we'll do it live. What if it was his daughter, right? And she didn't want to get married in Zamunda and she ran away to Hollywood and became some kind of TikTok mm. star and, and Eddie Murphy and his wife Ooh. have to go get her and bring her home. Like, then it could be about yeah. that. Like, it, I don't know. Like, there could have been so many other ways to do it. But one bone. That's a live rewrite. <laughs> Thank you. One bone. That's out of the woof rut. That's, that's progress. Got thrown a bone. Brother Eric, from what you remember... Out of four bones or woof, what do you want to give this? What do you want to bestow? Just to kind of go with the theme, um, I'm, gonna <laughs> just, I'm just going to give it two. Two. Nice. Yeah, I thought two it was, bones. Uh, it was a good welcome back for me back to the cinema. How things are nowadays with movies. This is how they all are. Um, they all like this now, so it's kind of good to be everyone back into it. I liked it, and I liked Louis. Louis and Eddie. I did. I did like Eddie for a while, but then I did. I mean, I didn't like anything from '90s to early 2000s. Really, even like, yeah. I liked the soundtrack of Nutty Professor. It had some like some pretty good songs <laughs> it did. on there. Yeah. Then I have Eminem yeah, and Redman, and then like Aaliyah and like yeah. a bunch of other stuff. But yeah, this movie. I just had fun with it. You know. You you also made the note that Ludacris predicted this movie yeah the very first song on word of mouth is called coming number two america <laughs> mm. yeah nice luda luda was ahead of the game we've been ce we've been celebrating that track for years yeah <laughs> that track probably can't be played too much anymore so <laughs> right. i was listening i was like man he was pretty raunchy even for my taste those are the days yeah yeah you're a family man now you gotta yeah. you gotta clean up your act yeah i gotta straighten up <laughs> act like a role model now two bones from brother eric i think this is the first movie i've ever 
rated, dude. Yeah, dude. This is it. This is this is so many firsts. I'm back on top. Brother Bishki, I have literally no idea what you're about to do here. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I've been drinking <laughs> episode 100. Episode 100. Episode 100. I'm, I'm so 100. I'm so glad we're here. To all I'm the so killers and $100 episodes. Oh, Brother good. Eric Sorry. is here because this is this is what it's all about. I'm going to toast with you guys. Hold on. And uh, so here's what I got to say about coming number two, America. <laughs> it's a bit of a bone train wreck. Like like we talk about the bone train. Yeah. It started, I was up. very high. I was very high coming off watching the original. We got McDowell's, James Earl Jones, Morgan Freeman, and Vogue, Salt and Peppa, Gladys Knight and the Pips. Or not the Pips, but... That amazing Gladys Knight sands the pips Sands the pips <laughs> That amazing DH salad dragon That I was laughing oh. so loudly um, oh. But the train kept going And yeah. uh, we settled down into a drama um, I think the main problem is You know, I can understand after like Black Panther and Wakanda That they're like, we're going to set this in Zamunda But Right Fish out of water humor doesn't really exist in Zamunda because no. Zamunda isn't real, you know? Right. So it's like the humor there wasn't flying for me. The second half really dragged, wasn't thrilled with our lead actor, Jermaine Fowler. Very predictable ending, but still had good costumes. Good makeup. Mm-hmm. Amazing costumes. Good cameos with Takembe Matembo and, and others. Uh, John Amos, <laughs> we didn't mention John Amos, 81-year-old. Gosh, John Amos. yeah. He's back. From Uncut Gems. Yeah. Uncut Gems to this. Hell yes. Amos Renaissance. It's always nice to see Eddie. I wish it was rated R. I wanted some F-words from Eddie. It's PG-13. Yeah, PG-13. Come on. Whatever. This movie was like straining against that. Like, yeah, fuck yeah. Fuck that. No, it's probably raunchier than the first one, but it's still PG-13. But anyway, Ugh. it's basically a dramatic role for Eddie. And by the time the train arrived at the final destination, I'm going to give it one and a half bones. One and a half. Love and light to Eddie. I recommend Dolomite is my name over this one if you want an Eddie um, fix. Want to revisit Eddie in his later years. But watch the first 20 minutes of this film and you might have a good time. So, yeah. <laughs> and then fade out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and then, fade. then wander away yeah that's perfect yeah uh i'm not gonna belabor this too much we're all on the same bone train here i was smiling the beginning is edited in a crazy manner that makes you feel like you are just on speed but it gives you a ton of shit to look at a ton of shit to smile at so yeah the first 20 is definitely worthwhile and then it's just the bones start dropping off the train from there on out. I have a lot of love for the original and that nostalgia carries over. I try not to let nostalgia completely paint the fucking bone barn. But, you know, I, I, uh, my heart gives it one bone, but that nostalgia bump and the fact that I knew Lucas was trying to love it. Bishki was delighted. And Eric's returning to the cinema with this movie. After years. Rolled into the nostalgia. I got to bump it up to 1.5. That feels right. Yeah. It feels right on the right side of history. So. Cheers. That's where I got to leave it. Cheers to that. Let's drink it up, boys. Oh, say. 100. Can you see? 
We got to get you back out to California and we'll do this in person. We'll get you in the edge, Brother Eric. We'll freely cough on each other all day. Brother Eric, thank you so much thank for you guys. spending this was fun. Spending your important time to gaze upon this film. Episode 100, let's celebrate. So 100, uh, let's get keep turned. the party going, fam. 100. Love and light, y'all. Love and light. <laughs> It's time to hear from callers on the LodgeCast hotline. If you've got a quick movie review or a question or comment about the LodgeCast, leave us a voicemail at 1-877-565-1466. You can also email us a question at movielodgecast at gmail.com, and we'll try to answer it on the air. And don't forget to hit us up on Instagram at Matt's Movie LodgeCast. Now let's go to the hotline. Lodge fam, Brother Anthony calling in. Let me just get this out of the way. Uh, coming to America 2, however you want to phrase it, is just a woof. You know, I used to always say with pride that Beverly Hills Cop 3 was the worst sequel ever made. I think it now has a strong competitor in coming to America. I, I just, I mean, by the time the Prince uh, review was going on, I, I, I can't articulate. It, I, I, it, uh, I mean, I was, I, say, can you see I'm coming to America? Right? Right? Ugh.